Hello and welcome to Cubicles in Christ. Kelly Johnson, certified leadership coach and founder of Be Well My Soul, is on a mission to encourage and inspire you to be spiritually authentic and thrive in life. Let's join the conversation with Kelly now. Okay, as we continue our deep dive into spiritual authenticity, today I am so excited to be speaking with Misty Tippin. Misty is a wife, a mom of three, super duper active in her church. Um, she has led for years a very in-depth Bible study series in her home. She is just the real deal. And I'm not saying that because of all of her activity and busyness, but because of her genuine and mature heart for the Lord. I had the pleasure of getting to know Misty when we worked together for the same company, but we were always in different departments. But, you know, I am so thankful that God allowed us to meet um, and just continue our friendship. Um, She's truly a sister in the Lord. Um, Professionally, Misty is a senior manager of corporate philanthropy for a major retailer. And uh, Misty, I just want to welcome you to the show and thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) So let's kind of get started and maybe just a really quick 30 second uh, curveball question. Just when did you even get to know the Lord? Um, What's your sort of salvation experience? Oh, that's a good curveball when I love (laughs) to talk about. I accepted Christ in my heart as a very, very young child. I was that kid who loved going to church. Um, I didn't have to be forced. I was the first one up. I was tap dancing in the kitchen with my, you know, little bobby socks on and my (laughs) black patent leather shoes every Sunday. I just, I've always known that um, God was real and he was leading my life. Uh, even when I wasn't acting right or doing the right thing as a child, a young adult, a college student, or, you know, even today. But I I really did accept Christ quite early um, and always, always wanted to be in his word and in his will. Mm, I love that. Thank you. I can so picture you with your little Bobby socks and patent leather Mary Janes. Uh, My petticoat (laughs) slip. I was a mess doing it. I was Misty Copeland before she was. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So um, you obviously are no longer that six, eight-year-old little girl um, in your patent leather Mary Janes, but um, talk to me a little bit about um, who Misty is today as a professional woman, woman of God. I know how important your family is to you. Um, How have you, how has your maturity in the faith shown up in the workplace? Yeah, we... uh, Everything that I do, I try to do as though I'm serving God. And that's sometimes hard because I am a flesh just like everyone else. And I have vices and sin, you know, can get a stronghold on me just as fast as it can on anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, you said it in the question, just a maturity and a confidence in being who I am and not feeling like, um, I need my faith walk to match or mirror anyone else, anyone that I put on a pedestal that has a a closer relationship to God than I do, or anyone who has really struggled or just um, accepted Christ as an adult, you know, that Mm -hmm. that maturity in knowing that wherever we are on the spectrum of our faith Mm. is where God has us. And it's not a competition or an Olympic sport to 
outquote a scripture to somebody or outserve someone else or to have been in service for longer or better. As I mature professionally and, you know, gain professional skills and, and get better at doing the work that I was hired to do, I also am getting better at serving the Lord in the work that he called me to do mm-hmm. and being less, um, uh, uh, less about looking at others and comparing myself and more about looking at others and finding the places and ways that we share Christ in common mm-hmm. and then building and growing on that. And I think our friendship, you know, for the time that we worked uh, together at, at the same company was a perfect example of that maturity mm-hmm. that recognizing Christ in others and then opening up and being vulnerable and being, you know, prayer partners without being overtly churchy in the workplace. And that maturity, that understanding of what and when it's appropriate, but also that eagerness to find other believers to grow and walk with um, was important professionally for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I And I completely agree that as you really be real in who you are in Christ, without having a Bible tucked under your arm as you're walking the office. But I, what I have found personally is just when you open yourself up that way, you do begin to recognize Christ in others. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like when you just, when you buy a brand new car and as soon as you drive it off of that showroom floor, you suddenly see your exact same car everywhere you turn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you had never seen it before. Right, exactly. It's like, whoa, everybody has it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. So obviously this walk to be real in Christ, to be spiritually authentic, it is a journey. It is a process. Um, and I hope later you'll kind of share the story of um, just a time that you had to have a conversation with a non-believer, actually someone who is agnostic about God. Um, Hopefully we'll have time to talk about that, but if not, then that means you have to come back and we'll do this again. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, But you know, as women, we love the story. We love the book of Esther. So I always like to ask people, you know, what was your Esther moment in your career when you knew that you were at a point of no return? Um, have you ever had that kind of experience? And yeah, I have. I have. I relate quite a bit to Esther. Uh, she is, without question, one of my favorite characters, primarily because of her reluctance. And mm-hmm. and and I think that that question spills quite naturally from you know what we were just talking about. Early in my career, I realized. Well, I should I should backtrack from early in my career, in my life. I have always been the kind of person who happens to be in the right place Mm -hmm. as opposed to who says tomorrow, that's the mountain I'm climbing. And these are the things I'm doing to prepare myself for that mountain. And here I go. Um, When I came to the company that I'm with, it was a a winding pathway of just saying yes to God Mm -hmm. and sometimes no to self. And so I got to a place where I am at my dream job, doing my dream work. And I realized that it was not a dream. Mm -hmm. There were some challenges and there were some obstacles that I was facing. And I had this baggage of 
Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Will they listen to me? Um, do I have what it takes? Yeah. You know, is this my battle to slay or can I sit back? And I mean, if that's not Esther, I don't know right. what is. You know, I was was sitting and I was, and you know, I had other prayer warriors and other um, professionals who believed in me. And I knew God had started a good work in me and that he had called me, but I still didn't know for sure if it was supposed to be me who did mm. um, the next step. And so I, you know, sat back and I would offer suggestions, but I really wasn't trying to push. And part of me not pushing was saying, you know what, God, I'll go where you tell me to go. And I got really passive in my supernatural faith. Yeah. I got really comfortable knowing that God had placed me where I was, but that I didn't have to be the bold step taker. Mm. I could let God do all the work because I believed in him and I was serving him. And, you know, just like Mordecai went to Esther, you know, I had a a friend come to me and say, it's not enough for us to know that you can solve that problem. It's not enough for God to know that he gave you the tools to do it. If you don't step out and exercise your faith, wow, you make it nothing. Wow. And, and here I was absolutely recognizing God put me in position, recognizing God gave me the skills, the ability, and the talent, really working through my insecurities of should I be here? Should I not be here? Knowing that I had the answer, but still sitting back saying, but God will provide, God will do, God will. And it took that friend, that confidant, that prayer warrior with me to say, uh, God did. And here you are standing at the gate for such a time as this. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I did. I, I, pushed through and I slayed some, you know, deeply held insecurities and fears and recognized how trusting and believing in God from a young age can cripple you in ways mm. and it can make you less bold because you do trust that God's going to work it out. And, you know, or at least I do. I, I, I can only speak for me. I trust that God is always going to work it out. I trust that even in the hardest of times that there is a, a plan there's a purpose and there's a meaning for whatever that struggle is. But I had gotten really comfortable in letting God do the heavy lifting. Yeah. And what that moment was about. And I think that moment for Esther was also about today, right here, right now, in this unexpected way, you are to act. And if you do not act, yes, God will get the victory and he'll get the glory, but it'll be without you. Yeah. And so, you know, that was a, a very pivotal, pivotal point in my life, in my career, particularly. And what I'll say is that opened so many more doors for me that I had not even seen, you know, on the wall. I thought it was just a blank wall. Mm-hmm. But once I took that step and once I stood up and um, did what I knew was right and led through faith without ever uttering Jesus' name audibly, Right. Then I started seeing other doors crack open and mm. other opportunities where I could serve him in a more active way and really get out of that passive. I trust and believe God to be a deliverer and recognizing that I trust him as my, you know, co-warrior. Like we are 
on that battlefield together. And it's not me standing there while he's puppet mastering from the back. Like we are fighting together. I love that. I love that. And I think I see so many women, we use the word spectrum earlier. Mm -hmm. And I do think that as a part of our maturity, there is this spectrum that shows up. So there's some of us who in the natural, in the flesh, we are accustomed to being the go-getter. Like I will get it done, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of the Olivia Pope of our lives. Yeah. And for those women who fall on that side of the spectrum, I think God at times will require us to just sit back and say, Mm -hmm. watch me, I will do this. You're not going to make it happen in and of your own ability. Yeah. And then I think there's another part of that spectrum where it's, uh, we are very much focused on being still and seeing the salvation of the Lord and Mm -hmm. he will go before me and all I have to do is stand and I'll see my enemies on my right and my left, you know? And so for those women, oftentimes God will push us to say, no, I'm going to need you to come co-create this with me. I'm going to need you to, you know, like I love the co-warrior. And so it's such a personal journey, a personal walk. And it often is tied to things from our past, Mm -hmm. beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about him. Um, So I, I just love what you're, what you're saying. Yeah, I I do. I think that God, has each of us where we're supposed to be, having walked through whatever challenges or obstacles or blessings we have so that at this moment, for you know, back to Esther, for a time such as this. And he's asking us in that moment to do what's necessary, not what someone else is doing and not what we want to do and not what... (laughs) You know, people tell us we should do or we're good at doing, but really what is necessary? And and that, you know, back to earlier when we were talking, I think knowing that, knowing that you are called to do what's necessary for the current situation is important everywhere on that spectrum. And that's really what levels us as believers. And that's what, as we mature, we recognize we could never be in competition with another believer. Mm -hmm. God has each of us plotted on that spectrum where we are for what is necessary in that moment. Yeah. So a new believer is extremely necessary in some situations because that zeal, that newness, that excitement for Christ that only comes when you first accept him. Well, that can't be brought by somebody who's been walking with him for a long time. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, you do the right thing long enough and it just becomes the standard. You plateau there. Right. But somebody new can do what's necessary right in that moment. And I, I love that about the body of believers and that he gives us, um, people to remind us and encourage us and push us, particularly in the workplace. Mm -hmm that we are able to connect to and learn from in a way and and in a space oftentimes that's about being there the longest, learning how to do it the best, developing your skills, you know, and becoming a subject matter expert for this one thing. But then you add your faith into it and you realize that that subject matter expertise is great, but sometimes you just need to experience our creator. Yeah. And when you meet someone at that place, 
you're able to better solve the problems, the challenges, the opportunities in that work environment, because you're not just looking at a linear hierarchy. Here's what I do today, and this is the title I want to have tomorrow, and this is the work I want to do next week, and then next year I'm going to be in this place. But you start seeing people heart to heart and faith to faith, Mm. and, and you put together that body of faith in the workplace. And that's a game changer. That's a game changer for individuals and it's a game changer for your organization because it can take you to the next level in a way that walking step by step, doing the things that you know are prescribed to do to grow. That's when you kind of throw that to the side. Still important, but it's not the most important thing because now you're connected faith to faith and you start seeing the invisible. You see with God's eyes what's possible, what's possible for individuals, what's possible for the company, what's possible for you know the trajectory of your life and what God is really doing, how he's illuminated in even that work situation. Yeah, wow. I, I totally agree. That is so powerful. And the fact that it is a game changer. What, what advice would you give other people um, who are listening to this podcast right now? What, what might be some potential first steps to um, really experiencing this power um, in the workplace? You know, for me, music is a, a big part of my meditation and prayer life. And one of the things that I do is, you know, in, in the old school church and, and today in church too, cause I say it and I'm pretty sure you do and many of your listeners do, but you know, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I found when work was really difficult, I would spend an extra five minutes in my car listening to praise and worship and really praying about the day and it was on days where I was running late, it was hard for me to get out of the car because I knew if I didn't go in covered that the day was going to get on top of me faster than I wanted. And in a way that would cause me to spend the rest of my day trying to catch up. So I would take that five minutes of time and what I found, and and I think as a, a good first step. Now, if music is not your thing, then have a scripture or have a devotion or have something really quick, but be intentional about how you walk into the workplace, be prayed up and then step in. And what I found was kind of like I talked about, you know, when you start seeing doors open that you didn't see, God gives you that supernatural vision to walk in. And so things that used to be triggers for me before I took that time stopped being triggers. And so instead of seeing that person who was grumpy in the morning or just hadn't had their coffee or always had a snide remark, I saw a hurt person Mm. woke up with somebody that didn't love or care about them who then came in and kind of kicked the dog, right? They're mad and mean and nasty towards everyone else because they woke up in nastiness and in anger. And so I was able to see them in a different way before I got to my desk, before I plugged in my laptop, before I booted up and, you know, opened (laughs) all of the documents I needed to be working on for the day. I was able to see people where they were. And that also led to, you know, how you and I connected. I was able to see other believers. We started connecting faith to faith. And so I think that first step is really 
finding a way before you go onto the battlefield of work, even on the best days, the days where every red light was green for you, where there was no <laughs> traffic, maybe school was out and you didn't right. <laughs> And, you know, you're, you're running and you making it. And then, you know, those are some of the times when you're on a high where you forget to take that time and then mm. land as soon as you walk in. Cause the workplace is full of devils. Yeah. It's full of challenge and frustration. It's full of people who are in dire need of financial breakthroughs, spiritual breakthroughs, emotional breakthroughs, but they come to work with a purpose to do the job they were hired to do. We're broken vessels. And so I think a, a really good first step is to reclaim that moment before you get there and really focus on what is it that you're asking me to see and do, God? How can I be a vessel? How can I be available to you? And show me the way. You know, I've got my to-do list tuck, you know, tucked into my laptop bag, and I know the things that I want to accomplish for the day. Lord, but what towards kingdom building do you have for me? Um, and how do I make myself ready to say yes? when it comes, because when I'm not prayed up, when I'm not, you know, focused right, an opportunity comes and I miss it because I think it's not for me. And I think it's not what it is. I think that person's just being grumpy and having a bad day as opposed to, you know what, that person has not been affirmed in the last week. And if I stop and recognize the Christ in them, whether they accept Christ or not, he's Mm. there. When I accept that Christ and I affirm them, that allows them to let go of that weight, at least for that moment, and have a more positive interaction and experience. Wow. I love that. And I love how you're sharing that uh, when we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit at work, you know, that gift of mercy can Mm -hmm. really show up um, and it can operate in our lives. Uh, It reminds me of a time many, many, many years ago. Um, Unfortunately, I've had quite a few challenging bosses, bad bosses. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, the Lord was really speaking to me about blessing my enemies. And uh, I mean, this boss literally kind of sabotaged pay increases that I was due despite getting promoted and all of that Mm -hmm. good stuff. But there was a time when I was meeting with this individual and I just started praying silently. Mm-hmm. He was about to ask me to do something that I thought was pretty much a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it did not seem efficient at all. And I just didn't want to do it. And so I just silently prayed as he's explaining what he wants me to do. And I just waited. And literally in the middle of his conversation in the middle of him giving direction about next steps, he pauses Mm -hmm. and he's staring at his paper that he had been looking at. And then he just goes, you know what? Never mind. Forget it. (laughs) Look at God. (laughs) You know, and I was like, I'm like, yes, thank you, Lord. You know, and I'm like, (laughs) trying to hold myself Uh together in the meeting. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. And it just shows that. So even if you are prayed up as you advised, and I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I I think at times we forget that we can just pray in the middle of a meeting, pray in the middle of a conference call um, as those challenging moments uh, come up. Mm -hmm. We have to stay refreshed. But if we start our work day, um, in the right frame of mind, it's much easier to tap into the Holy Spirit. It's much easier to be sensitive um, 
to where God is leading us or how God is leading us to even just interact with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love that. What is, so I shared a little bit of a, of a boss story, um, but is there a coworker um, that maybe you've had to uh, work with that is not a believer? We've talked about this once before, but yeah, yeah. we have. I, I've worked with uh, two people who were not believers. One who's pretty much agnostic, and then one who's absolutely an atheist. And um, one of them was a supervisor of mine, and she was just a, a lovely person, lovely, lovely person, but just wasn't convinced of Christ and wasn't absolutely not a fan of organized religion. And when I started reporting to her, I think she had some fears that, you know, I, she obviously knew I was a believer based on our water cooler conversations about what we did over the weekend. Mm -hmm. um, And particularly for people who are not active or involved in a church or in any other type of religion, when you talk to somebody like me, I am the definition of a Bible thumper to that. <laughs> you know, um, we yeah. talked about the weekend and I'm like, oh, I had Bible study. And then we had, um, I worked with the ministry that I uh, am co-chairing and I did this and I did that. And then we were at church and then we did it. And, you know, that made her really nervous mm-hmm. um, and nervous because of her experiences with other believers and mm. her thoughts um, and, and fears that I was going to try to convert her. And one of the things that is true about me where actual true Bible thumpers probably question me because <laughs> I'm, I'm not good at thumping the Bible. I, <laughs> not, it's not a weapon for me to use on somebody else. Right. It's a, a weapon that it's a scalpel that really carves away off of me things that need to be gone. And yes. I can't turn that around on anybody else because there's so much that God is refining within me. Amen um, to that. Yeah. So I, so I'm not that girl, even though, you know, from the surface, just listening in at lunch or over by the water cooler, you know, it sounds like I'm that girl. And so she was a, a little bit nervous, but we had a really good conversation early on and she learned that she could trust me, that mm-hmm. I didn't think the way she thought was wrong for her. Now, I think it's wrong spiritually, but my job, my call, my purpose was not to win her soul for Christ. My job was to do what I was being paid to do. And her job was to supervise me as I did that. Mm -hmm. And how our faith played into that wasn't the most important thing. Over time, she and I grew very, very close. And she started to trust me more. And she recognized that she could be comfortable with me that I was never going to try to make her believe what I believe or practice how I practice or express the way I express. And that I validated the ways that she felt because some of her fears about faith and some of her fears about Christians in particular were very well founded. Mm -hmm. She had facts on her side. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I don't have to dispel that. I don't have to make her experience not true in order to scare her into believing Christ. All I have to do is live before her. And over the years, she started coming to me with questions of faith, not as questions of faith. She never came to me and said, hey, tell me a scripture that will help me in this. But she did say, "How how do you sit in these same meetings where people are blaming us for everything that goes wrong? And you can still see through to get to what their challenge was and then still be kind to them and be friendly. She saw, you know, the Jesus in me 
calming the misty attitude and ego right. so that I could accomplish a goal. And she wanted to know how to get to that. And I know, and I'm sure your listeners know that there's no way to get to that without Christ, but yeah. there is a step that you can take to embrace peace, to open yourself to peace. And because I didn't view her as a conquest, I didn't view her as a fish I had to clean and gut and you know, get right <laughs> for, for you know, Christ and kingdom building. I just viewed her as someone that I was walking with that didn't know she was walking by faith. And I just needed to help her to be more comfortable and confident in her choices, knowing that, you know, I might not see that fruit. It might be 10 or 20 or 30 years before she accepts Christ. But I helped to water that seed. I helped to break down some of the negative things that had happened to her by Christians that she viewed as hypocrites. And she started to love and appreciate that. And the same was true for um, the guy who I'm super cool with still, who is um, an atheist. He is in part an atheist in protest to how he was treated by believers. Wow. And, you know, being able to see in someone else the comfort of Christ, as opposed to seeing this rushed, hurried, I got to win as many souls as I can. And you can't talk to me if you don't know Christ and you're not going to go to heaven. And you're like, that's not going to win broken hearts. That's right. That's going to turn them off. That's going to turn them away. And honestly, that puts you as a peer with God. And we're not. Mm -hmm. We are a peer with that broken person. And just as their unbelief is is offensive to us, our arrogance is offensive to Christ. Mm. Ooh, that is powerful. And so we are to him what they are to us. And our arrogance offends Christ, but he always forgives us. He always loves us, gives us a second chance, sets us up for greater success. So who are we to sit in the workplace with an agnostic or an atheist or someone who believes something different and condemn them to hell when Christ is at that moment extending a hand to us? In that moment of our judgment of them, Christ is forgiving us, yet we won't humble ourselves. And, and I think that's the roadblock. And so for me, I've been very proud of those relationships. And I've been proud that when they face life situations, challenges, or frustrations, they recognize they can come to me and talk to me. And that's not because Misty is great. That's because Misty recognizes how filthy she is. Mm-hmm. And so I can't judge you. I can't sit in the seat of scorn and say, you know, you're wrong for that. I can tell you from my own experience, when I felt like that, here's what helped center me. Here's what anchored me. Here's what helped me make sense of that senseless situation. Here's how I deal with not knowing the science of it for, you know, my atheist friend. You know, he, he very much wants to know the proof. And, you know, I help him to see why I don't have to have concrete you know, a hypothesis, a theory, and then go and prove it, you know, in, in right. a scientific way. I, I don't need that because no matter how much science we get to, we always get to the point where we don't know. Right. And how do we reconcile that I don't know part? And it's what we choose to believe that is and what we see evidence of. And so I trust the evidence of my heart. I trust the evidence that God puts in front of me. And I trust the evidence that, you know, he trusts me, that God trusts me to shepherd those those that he created who don't recognize him yet. Mm. I love how 
you are planting seeds, watering those seeds for both believers and Mm non-believers in the workplace. Um, As you think about your legacy, your spiritual legacy, more broadly, even beyond the workplace, like in your family, what comes to mind? Um, what seeds do you hope to plant in your children and your the people you mentor and all of that good stuff? Yeah, I I think for me, what I want to make sure is that I hear well done. And I want my legacy to be that I used what I had when I had it to do the most good I could. Mm. I want it to be that I didn't have to have a title or a lot of money or a lot of uh, followers or, you know, people who looked at me and appointed me as a leader, but that I did what I was supposed to do when I was supposed to do it. So for the girls I mentor, you know, I tell them all the time, the thanks that they give me is the life they pour into next, that you don't have to be a first lady. You don't have to be a vice president. You don't have to be, you know, um, any particular thing except what you are and that you use what God has done in your life and through you to bless someone else. So I hope that, you know, eons after I'm gone, that that would be the legacy, that would be the lesson, that would be um, the shoulders that those who come after me stand on. Like I stand on, you know, my grandfather's and my great grandmama's shoulder, um, that they didn't have a lot, but what they had, they used for Christ. Mm. And because of that, they are real in my life today, 20, 30, 40 years after they passed away. Right. They are still real and present in my life. And even though their earthly lives expired, as all of ours will, the prayers that they prayed for me and for um, our family and for the generations that they will never see, those prayers don't expire. Those hopes, those wishes, that investment that they made in kingdom building is still true and real and relevant in my life today. And I hope that my life will be relevant in the life of those to come after me in that same way. Um, I, I don't ever have to have a building named after me. I don't ever have to have, you know, amassed incredible wealth except to do kingdom building. But what I do hope that I have is an impact. Um, and I know she's not always seen as a, a great spiritual leader or, or sometimes, you know, people swear she's Illuminati, but Beyonce has a song that says I was here. And that really, I I wanted to feel like I was here, like the purpose that God had for me and that he created me and allowed me to live and allowed me to experience this life, that it made a difference and it made scripture real and it gave hope to someone. Um, And and I'll I'll feel really accomplished. But I mean, the, the number one thing is I want to hear my savior say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm, thank you for that. Um, as we get ready to wrap up, let's, will you just join me touching and agreeing virtually um, as we close out in prayer? Absolutely. Okay. Gracious Lord, how we just thank you for your love and your mercy. 
thank you that our workplace is often our proving ground, our testing ground, our purification, our pruning, uh, but it's also an opportunity to grow closer to you. It's an opportunity to plant seeds with others, to refine what you're doing, um, to really call out what you have created us for, and sometimes for those Esther moments, Father. Yes. So for every person that's listening, I pray that you equip them to accomplish all that you have established for them before the foundation of the world. Will you strengthen them? Will you encourage them? Will you help them to trust you even more, Lord? We thank you for such a time as this. And I thank you for the victory that you guaranteed when you accomplished everything you accomplished on the cross. We give your name, the glory and honor in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Misty. Um, I enjoyed this so much and um, I just appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Absolutely. I'm so honored that you asked me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, everyone. Until next time. Thanks for joining. Thank you for joining this episode of Cubicles in Christ. Be sure to visit BeWellMySoul.com for fresh biblical inspiration and practical ideas to thrive in life. May you grow in peace, love, and soul prosperity.